Super duper quick reminder, just before the episode kicks off, this was recorded at the very end of July as I was off on holidays there for a couple of weeks. So super big shout out and thank you to Ian Hartitz for jumping on. But just in case you're wondering why we don't talk about Julio Jones, that's why we did it literally right before he signed. Enjoy. I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver and it's only round seven. Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven. Now forget what he said and listen to me. What you really want to do is stack those RBs. You can be Linda, just let me be frank. Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank. One says it's awful, the other says it's great. It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in episode 117 of the Dynasty Debates, the best kept secret in all of Dynasty fantasy football. I am your humble host, as always, Evan Brown, the humblest host in the biz. You can catch me over on Twitter at FFEvanLution, like like Revolution, but you know, with my name Evan and you get it, you know where to find me. You can follow the show at Dynasty Debates or you can drop me an email, DynastyDebates at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, things you love, things you absolutely hate about the show or things you want to hear more of. It's all good. Guys, we have made it. It is the last divisional breakdown. It has been an absolute treat. I am absolutely buzzing for the season. It is right around the corner. And to just, you know, kind of just send us off with an absolute bang, I have brought in an absolute banger of a guest. As I'm sure you know from the title, it is Ian Hartitz at iHartitz on Twitter. I'm sure you probably follow him. He has about 700 million times more followers than me. But if you don't, if you've been living under a rock and you have no idea what's going on, you need to go check out his work. He is the host of the PFF Fantasy Football Pod. He is a PFF analyst and just just a general good dude. Ian, how the heck are you, buddy? And thank you very much for taking time to hop on the show. Great day to be great, Evan. Appreciate you having me. And I am looking forward to having a banger. Uh, shout out to the Northern Islanders out uh, out there uh, i will say though i was watching um I-, I hope the ufc can get back to ireland they haven't been there in a minute but i was watching the uh, england card bangers uh, from this last saturday absolutely love that sport and man every single time they go to any of these places in europe you just see how passionate the fans are so love that we can have a little bit of a uh, fantasy football interest out there as well and yeah we got a lot of good things to talk about and nfc south that Let's face it, maybe not quite as strong top to bottom as it has been the last few years. I mean, it wasn't that long ago where, you know, we were kind of looking at, at this division as the sort of just weekly, you know, fantasy-friendly shootout uh, central that we're now kind of looking at the NFC and AFC West uh, through that lens. But still plenty of guys uh, on each team. As we always say, don't hate the player, hate the ADP. So, man, even the uh, boring teams, if you will, still always have plenty to talk about. Absolutely. It is a very, very top-heavy division, but that doesn't mean we won't find some fantasy goodness to talk about and just before we dive into it there if you don't mind real quick just in case people haven't heard or whatever what is your like how did you get into like pff and the fantasy game and all that sort of stuff because obviously you're out there killing it snapping necks and writing checks now but as every great you know hero has a backstory i'm curious to hear where did you come from what was your backstory i know we had um i don't know if you know john macri he was on the show there about a month or two ago great dude and he's an absolute hoser canadian um told me his whole backstory so i'm curious to hear what's ian hartett's backstory here john macri idp king over at pff.com in the general universe but yes sir i did so i'm more 
lot of people love fantasy football or they just love making money or they love math. I've always loved football. I played football um, into college, just division three. I was never going to go pro or anything like that, but just, just love the sport, man. Played linebacker and just no greater feeling than going out there and making a, making a big play underneath the lights. So once that was over, I just had a lot more uh, spare time and didn't want to devote all of it, uh, you know, to the bottom of a bottle or something like that. So ended up uh, just emailing basically hundreds of uh, authors saying, Hey, you know, I'm don't have any experience writing, but I can help like research ideas for you. If you uh, would allow me to kind of work under you for free, uh, Jonathan Bales, who went on to do great things at fantasy labs, uh, just all over the place, really give the man a prop bet. He'll probably win it, but he was actually basically the only guy that uh, took me up on that offer. So I got a chance to work with him for a while, got in the door through fantasy labs, which then became the action network. After that quick on stop over to the artist formerly known as Roto world from there, got the shot at PFF. So I've wore a lot of different hats a- along the way, but you know what I did just try to do regardless of, you know, what other sports I was being forced to cover at the time or the freaking news shifts or social shifts or whatever it was. I did always just try to stay and prove through just a lot of hard work and a lot of, uh, a lot, 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 lot of nice just looking uh, you know, at the laptop as you're doing right now, you know, saying it's 7 p.m. over there. Now it's 2 p.m. Uh, for me, so able to kind of make it more of the day job. But just getting uh, the sort of content um, done that I thought needed to get done to prove that I could do this full time and be trusted to kind of lead a uh, fantasy football platform. So very thankful for PFF giving me the opportunity to do that. And now just, you know trying to try trying to stay ahead and not uh not let anyone else uh catch up so as i said man great day be great and uh respect to you and everyone else that's ready to talk some football because to me man like that's what it comes down to just trying to do something productive every single day uh if you can and yeah you gotta keep your mentals right and everything but just with the way the news cycle is and the off season now and everything you know if you're not putting in 365 days a year someone else probably is and hey in a competitive industry man that's what you gotta do Absolutely. You know, I love that story. That's, that's, it's really interesting to hear that because, you know, whenever you see somebody who's doing a really good job, you just sort of always, you know, you can't imagine them starting out from scratch and writing those emails and working and volunteering their time and stuff. So it's great to hear, you know, from us in the trenches about how you guys are doing up there at the top. And uh, yeah, I'd love to see it, man. You're killing it out there. Love your pod. Um, Do some great work talking a lot of best ball and stuff like that lately. I know. Um, But yeah, we're diving into some dynasty. We're getting everybody ready because the point scoring season is right around the corner training camps have kicked off we're getting ready it's getting real so let's just jump right into it here we're going to start at the very top um we're just going to dive into the tampa bay buccaneers the main event fight so what we're doing with the divisional breakdowns if you haven't been listening shame on you Go back and listen. They're all up there. We are going back. We're giving you a little snapshot of what happened last year. So how the team finished, any major changes, coaching staff changes, uh, front office changes. We're going to talk through any major acquisitions for the offensive side, any major departures. We're not going to touch too much on the defensive side because unfortunately, this is not an IDP show. I am not John Macri. I'm not an IDP whiz. I do play IDP, but certainly not my forte. Um, So we're going to stick on the offensive side of the ball. Then we are going to get Ian's invaluable input as far as how he feels about these teams, what we think we can expect for the future. And then we'll even give you a couple bits of actionable advice because we're all about the actionable advice here at Dynasty Debates. So intros aside, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as we all know, won the division last year, finished 13 and four with the GOAT. And 
yeah, there's been a pretty crazy offseason, to be fair. I mean, they have had a lot of turnover. It looked like Tom Brady retired. Then he unretired. Um, Bruce Arians did retire, and so far, so good, has stayed retired. Uh, defensive coordinator Todd Bulls has taken the step up to replace him. Offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich has stayed in charge of the offense. And they now have Casey Rogers and Larry Foote as co-defensive coordinators. So there has been a lot of changes, but I would say I feel fairly confident. I'll get Ian's take in a minute here. There's going to be a fairly, you know, there's going to be quite a bit of continuity. A lot of these guys are, you know, they've been they've been promoted from within. They've been used to the system. They've been around Bruce Arians, so it should be pretty similar to what we saw last year. A lot of it, anyways. Um, they did lose Ali Marpet on the offensive line. Obviously, a massive loss, but I'm not too worried. I just had a look there this morning, and I believe. Shout out to PFF, obviously. Um, I believe the P the PFF offensive line previews have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive line coming in as fourth in their projections. So still a rock-solid offensive line, not too much to be worried about. They did bring in Russell Gage. They signed a three-year, $30 million contract. Um, obviously lost Antonio Brown. Not sure how much of a loss that is at this stage. Uh, Chris Godwin signed a three-year, $60 million contract extension. Cameron Brait, two-year, $8 million restructured deal. Deal. They brought in Brashad Perryman on a one-year, $1.27 million, and Leonard Fournette, Lombardi Lenny, signed a three-year, $21 million contract as well. A couple other little or smaller moves, um, Gio Bernard, one-year deal, Blaine Gabbert, one-year deal, TB12 signed up again, brought came back one more time, well, so he says, we never know with this guy, one-year deal, and Kyle Rudolph of my beloved Minnesota Vikings, Rudolph the Red Zone Reindeer has gone there for a one-year deal as well. In the NFL draft, they did draft Rashad White, uh, running back, Arizona State, round three, Kate Auten, tight end out of Washington, round four, and Co. Keith, um, he is a tight end as well, round six. So there you go. There's a lot of changes, a lot happening. I'm going to throw over to Ian here quick. Ian, what's your just initial vibes, feelings? Obviously, a lot of changes. We're not sure about Chris Godwin for week one, but in general, how confident are you? How excited are you for the Bucks in 2022? Man, like, how could you not be? And by the way, you were correct, fourth-ranked offensive line. But just compared to the rest of the division, no one else is even close to as complete as a team. You can talk about how great the Saints defense could certainly be. But, man, just the really like the continuity. I mean, you, you brought it up like, okay, Aaron's isn't there, but Byron Leftwich already called plays before. So no, I'm not too concerned about Todd Bowles, another member of the same freaking coaching staff, just being elevated to top dog here. So I just think there's a lot of new opportunity for someone like Russell Gage to step up, not to spoil your potential buy um, from the squad, but, you know, looking at it's someone that Obviously, wasn't an offseason um, loss, but losing Antonio Brown the way they did at the end of last season, not going out of the way to add any other offensive pass catchers other than Russell Gage. And I mean, I've heard some people like try to equate, you know, someone like James Washington to Russell Gage and, you know, 30 million reasons why, you know, you just can't really make that stand. So the track record of some free agents, you know, changing teams overall isn't great for a team to kind of let their guy go in the first place. Usually isn't a good signal. And if they weren't able to get any trade pieces back for them you know that's another red flag but when you see this sort of money being given out it almost always guarantees at a minimum a pretty hefty role in the offense and Russell Gage is someone unlike an Alan Lazard unlike an MVS that has flashed you know the underlying PFF receiving grade separation metrics to make us believe that he could be more capable with a big role so you add in the factor of Tom Brady going out of his way to ask for Gage and it's really easy to see him man working as the number two 
immediately as long as Chris Godwin is sidelined and potentially still being a really big part of the offense uh, even after that point because you know as much as we're trying to make you know Cam Braid or Kyle Rudolph or freaking Cade Otten a thing you know you look at the last time that Tom Brady didn't have Rob Gronkowski in his offense and what happened he I don't think he threw one touchdown to tight ends the entire 2019 season uh, with the Patriots. So you look at last year when, um, you know, the wide receivers were out at the end. What happened? Mike Evans just got fed. It wasn't like Tyler Johnson and Scotty Miller as much as we want them to become things. It didn't happen. So Brady's routine consistently shown that he's going to start force feeding his best receivers when forced to do so. I think that's what we're going to see with obviously Mike Evans, but also Russell Gage from the start. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I'm here. One of the things I love to do when we're looking ahead and looking into the new season is we look back and see what did they do last year, especially when there's been so much continuity on the coaching staff. Try and look at things like pace of play and how good of an offense, how bad of an offense, what did they accomplish, things like that. With the Bucks, I think, as we all know, they've been pretty dang good ever since Tom Brady came to town. And when we look at last year, they were fourth in pace of play, which you love to see. You want them, you want them calling those plays out. You want them moving the ball. You want them just as many snaps as we can get for our offensive pieces we love to see it and as far as um i also look at dvoa which just stands for defensive adjusted value over average if you want to think of it as just an easy way of like a bunch of really smart people sort of like pff they sit there and they look at every play they look at every situation and they basically come up with like a baseline they say this is the average we would have expected for an offense given the circumstances and this is how well they performed above it or below it they rank the teams one to 32 the Bucks were first, first in DVOA, so you can't get much better, and um, that's obviously a good thing. We're expecting more of the same. Yes, we've lost some pieces, but when you have Tom Brady, you certainly, certainly aren't ever too down, um, especially with this past happy Tampa Bay offense. I also like to look at run and pass success rates. Again, just to not be too jargony, what do we consider success um a play is considered successful when it gains at least 40 percent of yards to go on first down 60 percent of yards to go on second down or 100 percent of yards to go on third or fourth down so if we're giving it those sort of metrics we look at their run success they were 55 percent successful on their running plays which was actually third in the nfl 51 percent successful on their pass plays again third in the nfl 53% total when you look at pass and run plays. That is second in the NFL. So again, I think you're getting the picture here. It doesn't get much better than the Bucks last year. Um, now, again, just quickly touching on how do those targets get distributed? What are we used to seeing here? As far as target volume, they were actually first in total target volume, 677 pass attempts, which is pretty wild when you think about Tom Brady being, what, 44 years old? And then how they break up those passes. So they're actually 21st in their percentage of passes to the wide receiver at 57.2%. But it was such a massive pie that was still almost 400 pass attempts. So there was still a lot to go around. 17th to the running back, almost 20% pass attempts to the running back at 135. And then 10th to the tight end at 229 Now, to Ian's point, obviously, we're probably expecting that to come down a bit because it wasn't just that he loves to throw the tight end. He loves throwing to Rob Gronkowski and who wouldn't one of the best tight ends we've seen in a very, very long time. So obviously with all those kind of underlying stats and things that is there anything else that jumps out to you Ian, or anything else that you wanted to point out there? Um, and while you answer that question, I will ask you on a scale of one to 10, then you've already talked about it. We've looked at these stats. How confident are you in the pieces of the offense for your fantasy team in 2022? It's exactly what we're looking for. It's a fast paced offense. that's going to throw the hell out of the ball and they're going to keep one running back on the field for almost the entire time. And it's really just, again, to have, 
such a condensed pecking order in a potentially high octane offense. It's, it's like if we just had absolutely no, it's like if we could just take the bills offense right now, and we're already kind of doing this, you know, with Gabriel Davis where he is, but it's like, if we just didn't have to worry at all about like any of these other potential guys taking over. So man, again, it just, these are the types of offenses where we should expect, you know, three to four potentially high end fantasy assets to emerge from. And I really do think that once again, we're going to see Brady and company just throw the hell out of the, ball because you look at the running back room i mean rashad white like that's someone that i think he drafted for his capabilities as a receiver you know Keyshawn Baum we saw last year like they were okay with using him a little bit more in the playoffs which was nice to see finally but uh he's also not someone that I think they're just gonna again try to just run the hell out of the ball with same thing with Lenny same thing with Giovanni Bernard so uh, even though you know you are moving on to a defensive minded head coach you do have a great offensive line Uh, I think ultimately you know they realize that they're in better hands when Brady has the ball and it's it's one of the wild things when you do look at Brady and his um just his, his ability to keep a high average target depth despite getting the ball out faster than just about anyone like he he has the Roethlisberger like just getting the ball out of your hands fast in and of itself is obviously a good thing you're doing your offensive line a lot of favors the problem was Ben was just doing it you know throwing the ball two yards downfield Brady's just so freaking smart and still has the arm strength that he can still actually make defenses respect the deep ball even while doing his offensive line those favors so I think on you know some other teams they might just have to try to lay on the run but hey again you put on Russell Gage's Falcons film you start seeing a ton of those just short quick hitting screens the same sort of stuff that was leading to Chris Godwin catching 10 plus passes like each and every week down the stretch of last year. I really don't think we're going to see too much of a drop off from the typical juggernaut that we saw from last season. Absolutely. And if you're going to, so what's the magic number then? Are we talking nine? Are we talking 10? Are we talking 10 and a half on a scale of one to 10? How, how confident are you then in these pieces? Nine and a half. Yeah. I, yeah. Nine and a half. Love it. Okay, now we're going to do, obviously, what we've been doing with these divisional breakdowns. We love to talk sort of stats, facts, figures, and projections. But I'm really passionate about giving people actionable advice for their fantasy teams, for their dynasty teams. So we try and pick out a couple players. We look at ADP, and we try and pick out a couple players that we either think are too low, so you need to buy, or maybe they're too high, or you need, or maybe they're getting a bit older because it's dynasty versus redraft. Um, and give you a couple of names to actually go and try and work some trades before the season kicks off here. So Ian, as the guest here, who's your first buy? Like, Who are you looking to get onto the squad no matter what? I think Leonard Fournette, man. I think we're a little too worried in the midst of summer about a report of him. You know, I guess it's not a report, you know, him weighing 260, but like, I don't know. He's an every down running back. Like we just hear 260 and we're like, oh, fat Lenny, you know, bringing up the Eddie Lacy, you know, reports. Like how come when Derrick Henry revealed that, or when it got revealed that Henry's over 260, it was just like, oh man, what a beast. Would hate to be in front of that guy. Like it's just with a lot of these things, we, we keep such different energy depending on the player and, I understand, you know, Fournette and Henry have a little bit different pass in terms of, uh, you know, Fournette not exactly ending things great with the Jaguars, but who exactly has ended things just on a fantastic note with the Jaguars in recent history, um, you know, from from that point of view. So with Fournette, we have someone that was literally second in the NFL in receptions, only Christian McCaffrey last season. And as good as Rashad White is, man. We saw them take a guy in Keyshawn Vaughn in the same round, you know, only a few picks. It might have even been before, honestly, uh, that they took Rashad White. And you can show me the Raz score. I understand Rashad White's the better prospect and everything. But just the 
again, Rashad White just seems like one of those guys who uh, maybe he does have a bright future. Maybe he is David Johnson. Like I think player profiler who I love their work has actually comped him to David Johnson. But I just wonder what guys like him and Tyler Algier and Isaiah Spiller, like, are we just hyping these guys up a little too much because we've been talking about them ever since freaking January, man. What about the guys that are on the depth chart? Like Keyshawn Vaughn, who got playoff snaps like Giovanni Bernard that actually kept Leonard Fournette briefly off the field on passing downs more than anything, man. I think buying into Fournette, you're looking at a guy where when you see the Byron Leftwich quotes, like Leftwich himself talks about how tough it is to get Fournette off the field just because of his ability to mind meld with Tom Brady. And just again, implying that a rookie is going to just go ahead and step in above Fournette on passing downs and earn that trust from Brady. Uh, you're jumping through a lot of hoops for the Rashad White standalone value. And I'm just not going to, you know, one of my things is I do think there are a few select situations where maybe we can be less optimistic about a player's injury proneness, if you will. But, you know, I, I love having Dr. Evan Porras on my podcast. He does great stuff with fantasy points and, you know, listen to the doctors when he tells us that a lot of times being injury prone is a myth. That's something that I'm just not going to hold against someone like Leonard Fournette. So raw projections, you look at it and there's basically no one better. And for him to be going now borderline RB one spot, like we've anointed Saquon Barkley. We've gotten over our issues there as we should and he's now up there and I was like the RB7 RB8 but to still be able to get Fournette you know RB11 and dropping right now particularly over at underdog and uh, best ball lamb I just think he's a guy that again has the workload of a legit RB1 but we're pricing him down now in the borderline even RB2 range because of a bunch of nonsense like to be quite honest with you so James Conner Cam Akers these are other guys that again from a pure workload perspective I just think you can be thrill with their potential to just not leave the field. The difference is Fortnite has Tom freaking Brady under center and the guy that's going to be dunking him uh, down the ball. So we're so obsessed with, you know, Ramondre Stevenson could be the Patriots pass down back. And there's some talk about who's going to be that guy in Las Vegas. Like, to more than anything, Tom Brady is the one that I think has been enabling uh, the James Whites of the world, you know, Stefan Ridley's and all those guys to great heights. And now that guy's Leonard Fournette. Look no further than the 21 million they gave him this offseason to continue to be that guy. So, again, only issues we have with Leonard Fournette is his weights up a little bit. But as we found out with Najee and dudes, we don't even know if it's that, that different than normal. So give me all the Fournette and redraft. I understand in Dynasty if you're not ranking him like as the highest guy in the world because we do have to wonder with Brady, like is it just a one or two year kind of window for guys like him and Mike Evans? But man, especially ahead of 2022, just aside from Fournette, just straight up getting hurt, which again, I don't think we're good enough at predicting that sort of thing. I, I really struggle to see how he busts. Yeah, and this is one of the things I really, especially around this time of year, I love having, you know, geniuses like Ian on the show because we in Dynasty can get so caught up in our rookies and our looking into the future that we forget about the point scoring season this year. We want to win, and we got to remind ourselves, we want to win championships every year. Like, that's the point. So I love this Leonard Fournette take. I almost had Leonard Fournette as my buy. And and the thing is, I mean, Ian's already mentioned here, you know, in redraft and best ball, people are taking him as a borderline RB1. The great thing is in Dynasty, I just looked up the uh, ADP, so the average draft position on Superflex ADP startup Dynasty drafts on Sleeper, which is my preferred platform of choice when playing fantasy um he's coming in as rb21 so i mean you're talking about like a low-end rb2 you know almost prices that you're getting him for that's insane like i am all aboard that because even if it is a one-year rental if he getting if he's going to get you a ship and you're not going to have to pay that much for him I'm all aboard. I'm all aboard. So I won't, I won't, um, I'm not going to continue on. He's already waxed lyrical and done a great job there. I'm going to throw out my guy here, which we've already talked about, you know, obviously uh Russell Gage. 
I, I think that a lot of the points Ian's already made, we know that Godwin may come back for week one. We're not sure. It might be a slow start to week one. And even if he does come back, they're missing Antonio Brown. Um, they're missing Rob, Gronkowski, Rob Gronkowski. And again, something that you know Ian brought up here, which he talked about Rashad White. I just want to bring that up as well. You have to. So the interesting thing about Dynasty as well, um, any any fantasy format, really, you have it, there aren't very many one size fits all rules. You have to look at case by case scenarios with Tom Brady. I think it's abundantly clear if you stop and think about it. He's not interested really in like a bunch of rookies that are just going to like come out here and make a bunch of mistakes and be stupid. He's here. He's probably come back this year because he wants to win another Super Bowl. Yeah. And it's very unlikely that, I mean, as much as I like Rashad White, and I do like Rashad White, it's very unlikely that he is going to be better for that right now this year than Leonard Fournette. Then, um, you know, so that's why they went out and got Russell Gage. They could have just drafted a dude in the second or third round. There's some talented wide receivers out there. They said, no, I want a dude who's going to come in straight away, know how to run routes, know what I need out of him, be able to do the job that I need him to do. And guess what? Again, value. This is why he's my buy right now. Super sleeper, super flex ADP. He's going in a startup draft around the 13th round. So he's going as wide receiver 60. So you're literally buying him, in my opinion, below his floor. I don't see unless again, injury, which we don't know. I cannot see a world in which he finishes below wide receiver, wide receiver 60 this year. I think it's fairly I honestly don't think it's crazy to think he's easily a wide receiver three, if not higher, even if um, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are there. We already talked about it. This is the number one passing volume offense. Tom Brady loves to sling the rock. He's not going to stop doing that. He didn't look like he'd slow down at all last year. He was the second graded quarterback for PFF. Uh, hot tip PFF um, you know he's, he's an absolute stud and I think Russell Gage is an absolute steal he could be a league winner for how cheap you're getting him in a startup or or just even for trading for him but we've talked about our buys I'm really curious here then Ian who's your goodbye see you later don't want you on the team I appreciate the Bucks are going to win the Super Bowl this year but I'm not interested in you who you got I just don't think we need to really worry about the tight end room because the idea from the beginning that one of these guys was going to rise up in the you know absence of Gronk, look no further than the 2019 Patriots to see how that's just really not a given. So already talked about this a little bit, you know, in the Fournette spiel, just about how Brady, again, he's going to focus more on his guys that he's familiar with and comfortable with as opposed to feeding the ball to a guy just because they're out there on the field. So between Otten, Brait, Kyle Rudolph, it just seems like it's probably going to be a committee between three tight ends it's hard enough to get one fantasy relevant tight end out of two players three absolutely not so best ball if you want to throw a final round dart in the right you know build at one of these guys okay that's fine but for now just particularly in drafts like i see zero point in taking these guys even in the final round like we'll know after week one if it's going to be a muddled three-way mess or if one guy is going to rise up if one guy rises up hell we might even know in the preseason so you know i'm open to changing my mind but for right now like there's i i think there's a chance that the answer is just no and i'm not going to like gamble on this uncertain situation situation when I'm not sure if the upside warrants it. So I'm not always shying away from uncertain situations. We can have a lot of value in those sometimes, but that's like in a, you know, a wide receiver room where we know there's good, like the giants or something. We're like, okay, even if it's not great, we know there's still going to be a lot of passing yards and touchdowns flow through that. Not a given in that tight end room. And I guess that's the point. Yeah. I mean, exactly. It's probably, it's just as likely to be Leonard Fournette tight end one as it is one of these guys. <laughs> so um, no, I agree. I, I think for me, the goodbye. Now this is going to be, this is completely just a dynasty take because on the one hand uh, it is Mike Evans. I absolutely love Mike Evans. He's one of the best wide receivers we've seen in a really long time. I think he has a 
phenomenal year this year. I think he's going to go scorched earth on people. I think there's a very realistic possibility he could lead the entire NFL in receiving touchdowns this year. Um, I really do. I think that could actually happen. But my point is just that he's still, you know, and because he is so great, he is still being valued in sort of a fifth round, fourth, fifth round of a startup. Um, a lot of people are super excited about what they're going to get out of him this year, which I completely understand. If you're like one, if you're like one or two best teams in your league and you maybe made it to the championship and you're a defending champ or you made it to the championship and you're hoping to get back, Absolutely understand keeping hold of him. Um, but if you're middle of the pack or if you're like a rebuilding team, he's 28 years old. I think there's a very real chance Tom Brady could be gone this year. Then you're looking at a 29-year-old dude who's going to have a significant downgrade um, at his quarterback. And he's still a stud, don't get me wrong. But I think for Dynasty, you got to look at what is the realistic outcome for your team this year and what does the future look like? If you're in the middle of the pack, I think you can get a really good deal for him. My my advice would be maybe wait till like week two or three when he's just had like a three-touchdown insane game and drop 40 points on somebody and then get like two firsts and a player for him, something crazy like that. And then just, you know, ride, let him ride off into the sunset because I just think there's a lot of worlds where next year Brady retires and Kyle Trask is the is the leading leader for the Bucks, and you've got a 30-year-old Mike Evans with Kyle Trask and then nobody even wants to give you a second-round pick for him and you're a rebuilding team so that would be my uh you know goodbye see you later but again please don't hear what i'm not saying mike evans is an absolute stud locked and loaded wide receiver one for this year uh what about a sneaky stash then do you have a player or a couple players that you're sort of like hey look kick around on the waiver wire or see if you can get them thrown into a deal they could provide some value for you this year or in the future on your dynasty squad man just looking at that adp honestly like just go get russell gage wide receiver 60 like that is just i've I don't know how you can rank more than 48 guys even ahead of him at that point. So, you know, when I know how big the rosters can get sometimes. So I do think, you know, maybe giving up on Keyshawn Vaughn a little like this early could be, um, I, look, it's a backfield that let's face it. We've missed on like time after time after time. Like these last three years have been miserable between Peyton Barber, Ronald Jones coming through here, you know, is Giovanni Bernard going to take the pass down work. So if it's just a situation that's, not quite like the Patriots necessarily because we've seen them actually feature someone like Fournette, but you could argue just take the cheapest one involved. So I do think there's a chance, even though we're all convinced that come on comparing Rashad white to Keyshawn Vaughn, there's no way they're not even close. Hey man, like one, one guy, I'm sure Rashad white's going, what's his ADP right now? Top 30, 40 in dynasty. Yeah. Let me just check. Actually, I've got the ADP here. He is going as running back 34. Yeah. Like 30, like, that's a big, that's a big assumption that, you know, yeah. could, could, Hey, who the hell knows, man, another year or two Keyshawn Vaughn has a chance to carve it out. So again, I'm not trying to sit here and be the biggest Keyshawn Vaughn Homer in the world. I'm not trying to, <laughs> you know, have that, have that, uh, cross. I'm not trying to bear that cross, but man, I, to be someone that cheap in a committee that we've seen, you know, fluctuate a lot makes sense to me, him or Russell Gage, you know, beyond that, I think everyone else is probably just too expensive to even kind of warrant talking about. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm a, just to dovetail on there, you know, in that conversation, Keyshawn Vaughn is coming in at RB77. So he's quite literally on your waiver wires in some leagues. <laughs> if it's a shallower league, he's probably on your waiver wires. And even if um, the thing is, like, he's still fairly young and he was a good, like, I liked him as a prospect coming out of college. It wasn't like he was an absolute bum. Uh, he was a pretty intriguing prospect. So even if he got cut, what if he lands somewhere where there's like a really shallow depth chart and a need? I think it's still worth, you know, running backs like that, backup running backs, especially when they're still young, it's always worth sort of stashing someone like that. And just a throwback to the point earlier, 
I don't think there's any need or, or, or real reason to go out and invest any sort of capital in any of these tight ends because I just think it's probably going to be useless. But if for some reason, um, you know, if for some reason one of the guys is just laying on your waiver wire and you've got a spare spot, you might as well just throw him on there and see what happens. I know they just signed Kyle Rudolph. He's literally free. I think I've seen him on the waiver wire in a couple of my leagues. I haven't chosen to pick him up, but, you know, it could be worth it. I mean, they've all, again, to the point that we made, you know, Brady, I'm pretty sure is having like major say in any and all acquisitions at this point in time for the team. So if he's, if he's signed off on him, there must be at least some sort of reason why. But uh, just to wrap this bit up then, just to wrap up the Tampa bay buccaneers ian do you have a bold prediction for the tampa bay buccaneers in 2022 not the boldest thing in the world but i do think tom brady will lead the nfl in pass attempts for the second year in a row you know it's just i again i i think you can make the argument going to the defensive minded head coach and looking at the absence potential early season absence of chris goblin no gronk no ab but man it's just it's we see it with these older quarterbacks, man. I don't think they're in the business to be handing that ball off. They feel more confident than anything with it in their hands. Brady did it last year. There's been no signs of his arm falling off. If anything, it looks better than ever, which does not make sense. Maybe father time finally comes knocking. So not, not a guarantee that the arm strain stays there, but even if it doesn't, man, just the things that Brady and them are able to do in the screen game, I, he wants the numbers. I think, I think he's watched Aaron Rodgers get those back-to-back MVPs. And, you know, I think it's going to take us, something special for for Aaron to get that done again so maybe just maybe Brady sees uh getting another MVP there gotta throw the ball around the yard an awful lot to get there so hey how about this a bold player one bold bold not to project it but I could see Mike Evans scoring 20 touchdowns like legit if you look at if you look at all the different players in the league no Gronk in the red zone like Russell Gage will get his but let's face it you know he's not exact he did win some like he watched that 49ers game from last year like gage can do a lot more than just uh be this kind of slot maven in the underneath areas but come on man like mike evans hasn't had a chance to get those 150 plus targets from tom brady the way he did with Jameis. that's the only reason why he hasn't been just blowing up more so in tampa bay and it's fair like he's been competing in the same offense with Gronk, Goblin and AB but you take those guys away it could be an awful lot of Mike Evans man he's my wide receiver six uh right now in redraft this year so like that's that's how high I really am on Evans and I, I think he's ADP around seven or eight anyway but you know we're here it, it could be it, he has he could be the wide receiver one like that is in his potential range of outcomes I I don't hate it I um my my bull prediction is I agree with this talk that we've been having about Lenny I think I, my bull prediction is he's going to be a top five running back again this year I think that he's going to get a load of targets I think he's gonna that's going to be a super high powered offense he could easily score double digit touchdowns um so I just think I think he's going to be an absolute smash I I could see him being a top five running back again this year but there you have it folks the Tampa Bay Bucket years in the bag lots to think about lots of players to get on the team make sure and join us again tomorrow when we talk to new orleans saints i drive zero rb in dynasty pass up a young receiver nah i couldn't be me my fifth wide receiver and it's only round seven not sure if i'm dead because i think this is heaven i forget what he said and listen to me what you really want to do is stack those rbs you can be linda just let me be frank those rbs on your roster is money in the bank one says it's awful the other says it's great it's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate